0: Hi, this is John Byrne with Poets & Quarts. Welcome to our deep dive into Cornell University's Johnson Graduate School of Management. Today we're going to talk about entrepreneurship and what Johnson is doing in this area. We have two recent alums from the Johnson School who just graduated two weeks ago. Both of those students are pursuing startup ideas. And we also have on the line Tom Schreiber, a visiting lecturer in entrepreneurship and innovation, and a Johnson grad himself. He uh, graduated back in 2002 with his MBA. Welcome, Tom. Thank you. So give us, uh, before we go to Kyle Johnson and uh, Nicole Bestman, give us a little sense of the entrepreneurial activities at Johnson.
1: Scope them out for us. Sure. Yeah, so Johnson students are very entrepreneurial. We see a lot of interest in MBA students in entrepreneurship, both in our courses here residential on the, the Ithaca campus, as well as our one-year MBA program at Cornell Tech. And one of the things that I think really makes Cornell just exceptional, I uh, remember our former provost said at a, a talk that Cornell has more top 10 departments than any other in the world. I'm quoting him because I haven't checked his numbers myself, but it sure sounds right. You know, when you walk around campus and you see innovators in, you know, material science and mechanical engineering and plant breeding and architecture and veterinary science and animal science, it really provides a fantastic opportunity for MBA students to connect with people who are leaders in their field.
0: Right. And if someone wants to come to Johnson
1: and incubate a business, how do they do that? It's a great question. We have a program that I'm a part of called eLab, which is the student business accelerator. And what it is, is a six month program to help people launch new businesses. So essentially, if you've gone through the normal part of the entrepreneurship program, you've taken that intro entrepreneurship class, let's say, or you're coming in with an idea that's already been baked to some degree. Maybe it's something that you started while you were here or started before you were here. You can apply to join eLab. It's a competitive application process and uh, you go for about six months. You work with uh, experienced instructors, myself and my colleagues, and you get uh, not just workshop curriculum, but a lot of one-on-one support with mentors to help you actually launch your business.
0: Wow. And
1: now how many students take advantage of that? So in a typical year, we'll have about 15 teams. These teams come from all over campus. MBA students are certainly one of the larger population groups that make up eLab. The other thing that's great about eLab is that it comes with four and a half credit hours. So there's a half semester course you take in the fall and a full semester course you take in the spring. Those are graduate credit hours offered by the Johnson School. So if you are part of eLab, you actually get course credit for working on your startup.
0: And it's a university wide center, right? So, this way, your students who are business students are colliding with those in engineering and other disciplines.
1: That's exactly right. And so, what also happens, we've seen, you know, so. We have an MBA student, uh, an alum from a couple of years ago, Mike Anunziata, found a master's in food science student, uh, Vipul Shah, who was working on a cool technology. And Mike and Vipul founded a company, joined eLab together. They both got academic credit and got the instruction for going through it. They now have a very successful business called Farther Farms that they've launched because of it. So by having it be a university-wide thing, as opposed to just a business school only thing, it really encourages MBAs to be at the forefront of forming teams assembling teams of diverse talent groups, and making companies that have the diverse talents that they need to, uh, to thrive. How many professors teach
0: entrepreneurship at Johnson?
1: So there's about eight of us in various forms. I'm not including, uh, for example, a marketing professor um, who teaches an entrepreneurial marketing course or a finance professor who teaches a finance for entrepreneurship course. But there's about eight of us who are in the core of different, more kind of uh, applied entrepreneurship startup courses. And the portfolio of
0: courses in entrepreneurship would would be how many courses and what would they range from what to
1: what? I got to be honest, it's a great question. I don't have an answer for you in terms of the total number of courses, but they do range from the kind of core straight down the middle entrepreneurship theory and practice stuff. So we have a course on ideation. We have a course on designing new ventures. And then we have courses in specific subject areas, like an entrepreneurship for physical products course, where students go in and literally make prototypes in our prototyping lab of physical product ideas, as well as uh, courses in specific domains, like an entrepreneurial communications course, entrepreneurial marketing, entrepreneurial finance.
0: That's great. Now, Tom, you're on with two recent alums, Nicole Bestman and Kyle Johnson, both of whom are pursuing startups. And I want to talk to both of them for a little bit first, and then come back to you. Nicole, here's a question for you. When you when you started your MBA program at Johnson, did you know you wanted to be an entrepreneur? Or was this something you discovered while you were in the program?
2: No, I definitely, I came to Johnson with an understanding that based on my prior experiences working in the shipping industry and working in nonprofit, that I had this itch, this certain problem that I wanted to dive into and and learn a bit more about. So I I definitely came into Johnson knowing that I wanted to pursue entrepreneurship. And in fact, actually, I wrote about it in my application as well and talked about it through my interview. So it was definitely something that was at the forefront of my experience the entire time I've been at Johnson because I I came in knowing that that was the path I wanted to take for sure.
0: Great. And and Kyle, how about you?
3: Yeah, I would say it was was similar. I actually had a small startup within the real estate development space, uh, did property management and still... But I don't think I was as sure that I wanted to be an entrepreneur, you know, a post-MBA. I was looking at more of some of the traditional roles of consulting and investment banking, but ended up taking one of the courses that Tom spoke about earlier called Designing New Ventures, where it's not really a case approach to uh, entrepreneurship, but you take your own idea and you push it through developing a full business model to where at the end you're pitching it, you're talking to customers, you're talking to Uh, um, suppliers and distributors and really developing and, and, and pushing out that plan to where you could walk out of that and apply for the eLab Accelerator, Cornell's kind of large accelerator, and um, ended up doing just that and, and pushing forward with an idea that I had into eLab. So I think out of the curriculum, I kind of found my entrepreneurial spirit again and decided to go.
0: Great. And I should point out that Nicole's uh, startup is called ShipFair, and it's in the shipping business. And that Kyle's startup that he's working on is called Birdie Brands. It involves a food product and uh, creating a healthy relationship about food between parents and children. So bring me on your entrepreneurial journey at uh, Johnson, Nicole. How did it start for you? Kyle gave us a sense that it started with a single elective course. How did you pursue your dream there?
2: Yeah, it all started with me in that course as well designing new ventures is certainly the linchpin for MBAs that come to Johnson and want to pursue an idea. And that was, it was exactly the same for me. I took the course and it was good practice pitching my idea and forming a team and then, you know, going out and talking to customers and figuring out, you know, approving or disproving your hypothesis about certain ideas, right? So it started there for me. And then after that, taking the summer to work on certain parts of my business and and applying to eLab and and taking it even further. right? I think for me, it was a matter of I've been thinking about an idea in a space for a very, very long time. And for uh, many entrepreneurs, you can kind of get stuck in your old world and, and consider this idea your baby. And it was good practice for me to put it in other people's hands. And then outside of putting other people's hands, but also talking to customers and really learning, putting some structure around what their problems were. So I did that through designing new ventures and then an ELAP. And then I think within the last within our last semester, I think one of the biggest or one of the the lynch the linchpin for me, another one was going to California with the ELAP group and, and really I think Tom and Ken and, and Andrea and Brad, they they really opened their networks to us to give us a chance to talk to other individuals about our idea, ideas, particularly funders actually, and get the opportunity to see from their perspective, what proof points would look like. And I think for me, that was really important for me to decide whether or not I was going to pursue it full time after business school. Because like Kyle said earlier, for many MBAs, right, I think we're very opportune to have a lot of opportunities and lucrative ones at our fingertips um, after these two years. And for me, I really needed to get a solid understanding of what um, potential funders might be looking for or a platform. So once I had those conversations, it made it easy for me to say, yes, I'm gonna pursue this full time after
0: business school. So how did that journey shape the idea? I mean, how did it change it, challenge it, test it, make it better?
2: I think coming into business school, I had this, this idea of how I would build it. Having worked in uh, the shipping industry, I thought that the best way for me to formalize informal shipping networks was to do it through the port system and through containers. So just to give you some context around that, my job as um, in marketing strategy, I worked with a lot of, with my managing director and getting external investors and concessionaires to do business through West African ports, particularly in Liberia. And I I saw constantly that most of our containers left empty. And so I said, there's got to be a way that we can make better use of this space because there's so many small businesses that are trying to get their items out. And so I I started there actually pretty early and said, "This this is the way we do it. This is the solution. Um, and then going out and, t- and talking to customers, I realized pretty quickly that it actually wasn't the solution for small business owners. And the solution is more akin to or similar to what they're doing now, which is essentially going into closed social media groups, expat groups, asking people to carry items for them. I said, perhaps this is the solution they're looking for rather than having their items wait 30 to 60 days on seat. And so you only really get that perspective um, once you start, you have, once you have more of a, a scientific approach to entrepreneurship, right? Which is saying, this is our, these are our hypothesis. Let's go and test them and see if they're true. And I think that's what Elab, that's a structure that Elab brought. Um, and that helped me and my team actually decide what direction to go in and what solution to pursue from the very beginning.
0: And Kyle, earlier you mentioned you were, were actually pursuing two different ideas. You ultimately dropped one uh, to go with 30 brands. Tell us so far where you are and and how the school has helped you through your journey.
3: Yeah, I'd love to. So with my previous or the the startup I was working kind of on in tandem was Inside Analytics, um, an analytics company that helped nurses kind of with workflow management for chronic disease patients. So I have experience in uh, emergency medical services, so seeing that firsthand, what chronic disease um, does to patients and how it affects them, we were looking to kind of revolutionize that space and how those patients are cared for uh, by nurses and doctors and streamlining that. But I think a kind of a testament of what Nicole had previously said in this scientific method approach of, of testing your idea, one of those is testing willingness to pay and We've all heard that the health system is broken, but truly understanding where that transaction was coming from for that startup for Inside analytics was a difficult one that took us about 18 months to get through. And when we um, found that transaction, it was within the kind of the affordable care act and some of the, the policies there. And the market for us was just a little bit too small for, for comfort and uh, we both, uh, my partner in that was uh, headed off and, and deciding between uh, going to a more traditional career track. So we decided at that point that we're going to table the idea. We we shut it down in a very intelligent way. So all the IP and databases that we have are still on hold. And we'll see uh, if we open that back up. Lucky for me, I was uh, also with my wife. One of my biggest entrepreneurial ventures, I guess, at MBA was last year I had my first child. So experience in uh, parenting revealed this opportunity to me around, you know, the relationship that I'm building with my child and the relationship that my child is having with food and the introduction to food. Ultimately, through talking to customers, we've decided to Not to go after, you know, under one demographic like my son, but probably around, a, you know, eight to 10 range would be the, the child that would eventually consume our food product and really looking for that, enable that positive relationship with those parents. So again, just taking that same scientific model of, you know, I have a, an idea and I think it's a good one, but really proving that scientific method, pivoting, getting to an idea that I think and my wife thinks of a viable business model in the future.
0: And, and Tom, are those two journeys typical of MBAs at Cornell?
1: I, I think they are and i'm I'm certainly gratified to hear the degree to which Kyle and Nicole have really you know internalized the process that is at the core of what we teach and believe, which is that you know the worst thing you can say about any entrepreneurial opportunity is why don't you just Um, It requires a lot of work. It requires a lot of uh, legwork. And as you heard from Nicole and from Kyle, it's really about testing your assumptions. So they've done a great job of that. And that's why they've kind of evolved where they are and I think sets them up for success in the future. Some of the other models that we've seen that have been successful have been, you know, folks that have have built companies not based on their own experience like Kyle and Nicole have, but instead working in a particular domain, you know, so for example, pairing up with a PhD candidate or a faculty member who's looking to commercialize a new technology, for example. But otherwise, yeah, I would say that that uh, you know, Nicole and Kyle's experience are very representative.
0: Where do MBAs and Johnson get funding for ideas?
1: There are a variety of different methods. So eLab provides a stipend, uh, basically. Uh, so call it a, a kind of an initial investment. It doesn't actually come with equity, but uh, each eLab company gets $5,000. Notice I say company. These are awards not made to individuals, but you know, the idea is start a company. So start a company, first 5000 comes from eLab. There's funding that we have through programs like we're very grateful to have funding from the National Science Foundation through their i Sites program, which provides some small micro grants for customer discovery. So these are resources that both Kyle and Nicole were able to make use of to go visit customers and test those hypotheses, as you heard um, them talk about. There's uh, also business competitions. And so, so many schools have them these days. We're no exception. There's the Ben Daniel Venture Competition, for example, here uh, at Cornell um, that uh, Johnson students have won in the past, as well as other competitions. I know that, uh, that Kyle participated one at Rice University uh, earlier this year. There are also networks of investors. So there's a group that's not affiliated directly with Cornell, but it's made up of Cornell alumni uh, called Red Bear Angels. They invest in uh, Cornell-affiliated companies, and uh, you know, they're pretty good at kicking the tires at on, uh, on companies that come out of programs like these. And then, of course, you've got Big Red Ventures, which is the student-run venture fund at the Johnson School. It was one of the earliest and now longest-standing student-run venture funds at an MBA program in the country. So, Tom,
0: let me pose a question that's been asked so many times over so many years about entrepreneurship at business school. Is it really a help, or should someone just take their tuition and invest it in, in building their own company on their own?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. I don't think there's a one size fits all answer. I mean, obviously, I'm a believer in the MBA education. I'm, you know, a product of it myself. And you know, it's like the old hair club for men, right? Now I went back and joined the company. You know, but uh, at, at the same time, I mean, I, I'm not here to say that it's absolutely for everyone. We certainly know plenty of, of case studies in Silicon Valley, for example, where especially in an up market where the tide is rising, you see people who don't have a lot of experience throwing a boat on the water and succeeding. We also, of course, don't know all the stories of the people who threw their boat on the water and sank because there's huge survivorship bias in the the studies of entrepreneurship, uh, both academic studies that we see as well as the kind of anecdotal things that we see in the news media. What I see coming through an MBA program like Johnson is a lot of people who come in and I would call out Nicole as a great example of this, who came in saying, I had this experience, you know, I was in West Africa, I was in the shipping business. This is something where I think there's a there there. I want to explore this more, but I need some fundamental skills to be able to do it. And then they find the MBA environment to be very conducive to develop those skills and to prepare themselves for the maximum chance of success going forward. So obviously, I believe that an MBA can be tremendously helpful to many people, especially if they come in with a good understanding of what they want to get out of that process.
0: And Nicole, you made the calculation yourself. Obviously you must have thought of well can I pursue an idea on my own or should I use the MBA to do it you chose the latter tell me why
2: Yeah I think it came down to me deciding I'd actually, I actually I did business in undergrad and through you know my middle school and high school my first jobs were working with my parents in their small businesses so I think I had an inkling for business and I'd I'd done a lot of things on my own to get a feel for business, but I wanted a more solid education. So I think that was what made me decide that I want to go back and learn the formal frameworks and and, and these things that have have been developed. But I think what made Johnson a really great decision is that not only did I get that, but through eLab and the teaching lab, Tom and Ken, Andrea, Brad, it was a really great balance for me to both learn the skills I needed to, to learn. If you know, air gets to the point where we scale and we'll need that solid business education. But at the same time, you know, you had this reminder of a different way to pursue entrepreneurship as well, which is that, you know, we learned all the marketing frameworks and all those those great things, right, which are extremely, incredibly helpful. But at the same time, you know, through eLab and, and designing new ventures, we had this reminder that there's another way to talk to customers, right, instead of, you know, doing a focus group, talking to people individually, getting that qualitative information. So I think throughout my entire two years here, it's it's been a balance of both. You know, the the more I guess you would call it more guerrilla or maybe one one on one approach to being able to get insights, and then also the more formal framework. So for me, it's been it's been a great. I think I have a great skill set in pursuing the MBA because I ha- I know how to do both of those things for my business.
0: And and I think for a lot of people, number one, you get the real business basics. Most entrepreneurs know very little about any given discipline, whether it's operations, marketing strategy, uh, how to lead a team of people effectively, how to put an idea through a challenging process, as you just mentioned, to get the idea to be as good as it possibly can be, meeting future partners, even guinea pigs (laughs) who might test out your idea, uh, your classmates, getting better access to funding and having mentors, right? Like Tom, who've been through this on their own and can provide really valuable and important expertise to increase the odds of success in your favor. I'm assuming, Kyle, you felt all that so far in your journey.
3: Yeah, it was kind of funny. As you were listing off those 10 different roles, I was just reflecting on my previous entrepreneurship experience uh, prior to coming to MBA. You know, I was the CMO, the CFO, and um, not very, uh, you know, chief strategy officer, CEO, and I wasn't very effective, I, I think, in retrospect at any of those. And I think business school and MBA at Johnson provides you the fundamentals to to be better at all of those. But I think one of the, the underpinning lessons that I've learned through the teaching teacher at Johnson and the emphasis on kind of the community that is Cornell is, is seeing those skill gaps that I have and seeing, okay, I'm, I'm never going to be a, a great CMO and because it's not a huge interest of mine, but there are other people out there that have that experience and, and that I can leverage and that are now within my you know, larger Cornell community or maybe my Johnson MBA community. And I know right now with my current venture, we're working with the food science department here at Cornell, which is uh, the number one in, in the world. And that's just an opportunity here at Cornell that's, I think, unique is no matter what business you're going after, there are the resources out there to fill the skill gaps that maybe you don't have to be that's 10 times smarter than you and to leverage that that knowledge.
0: Right. And I mean, that's another source of tremendous help having an interdisciplinary approach where you can really call on students and alums from other departments and schools within the university to get deeper and more profound knowledge about what you're doing. And I I sense, Tom, that 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 is becoming a bigger trend. You know, in the early years of entrepreneurship at business schools, it was pretty much a standalone venture. And increasingly, there's, you know, the acknowledgement that, hey, you need an expert in computer science or engineering if you're going to do tech art up, or you may need the expertise as uh, Kyle is, is uh, accessing food science if you're going to do a food product platform, Correct.
1: Yeah, 100%. I I think, you know, the other point here is that there has been this evolution in terms of what's considered kind of normal and acceptable. I mean, you know, as you mentioned, I graduated at MBA02. A a name that we've heard here a couple of times is one of my colleagues, Brad. So Brad Treat is a classmate of mine from 2002 at the Johnson School. And um, I still remember during orientation when you do that kind of like, Forgive me, but it's like the little kind of dogs at the dog park sniffing each other. Right. You know, you're there as an incoming MBA. What are you going to do? Where are you coming from? What's up with you? And I remember him saying, yeah, you know, I'm here. I want to be an entrepreneur when I leave school with my MBA. I want to be the CEO of a company that I start. And I remember we were all probably a little cruel and said, no, 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 really, Brad, what are you going to do? Because nobody else was saying that, you know, God bless him. He went and um, and shook the trees around campus and found a great uh, video technology from the, the engineering school and actually created a company from it and wound up selling that company to Logitech a, a while back and then has now come back to Ithaca to be part of this teaching team. And so, you know, his ability to be a role model and show folks that are going through the program now how to get out and make those connections and find those experts, whether they're in fiber science, chemical engineering, chemistry, you know, or biological engineering, wherever else, you know, is is really a great asset. And I think, again, plays very much to, uh, to our strengths here.
0: That's great. So can everyone give their advice to someone who is not yet an MBA student, but wants to use the MBA experience to incubate a company and an idea. What advice do you wish you had before you went to Cornell, Nicole and Kyle?
2: I would say for anyone considering the MBA, you have a business idea in mind. To really sit down and, and think through, use use current um, frameworks like the business model canvas, for example. So we use an ELAB as well. Really sit down and write down your hypothesis and get an idea of what you think you need to work on and the people that you need to talk to. Because you know, for any industry that you have an idea for. There are people who are on the per- the peripheral. There are people who are um, domain experts and people who could really give you some insight into the challenges you may have. And, and that's important because that will give you an understanding of whether or not your solution is absolutely needed. And if it is absolutely needed, who are the people who have the hair on fire problem? I think... Had I done that a little bit earlier on, perhaps I would have gone a little faster, right? And I, I think I have that insight now because you get to the end of this and, you man, and you're like, man, two years, I thought that was going to be a long time, but it was actually a pretty short time. So I think going through that process earlier on directs you a little better throughout your MBA experience. And so you can take advantage of the entire runway that you have during your two years of whatever program you end up going to. Doing that work upfront um, makes a difference.
0: Kyle, what do you say?
3: Yeah, I'm going to echo some of that uh, similar sentiment and but really focus on, I guess, towards the individuals that are at, you you know, whatever MBA program you're considering uh, that make up entrepreneurship. So reaching out to the Toms of of the university, the the Brad Treats, like you discussed, and members of the eLab teaching team, talking to them, understanding how they see entrepreneurship and how your view of it fits into that. I would also talk to the startups. You can, you know, all these websites have them listed on, you know, on the respective universities and, and understand what they're doing and how they're doing it. Uh, I think for me coming in, I I had a preconceived notion about entrepreneurship and Cornell for the better has completely changed that. And I think getting, if I would have been a little bit uh, more on the ball, getting, Reading some books and uh, putting investing some time and talking to those people before would have just set me on a
1: trajectory a little bit faster. And, and Tom, what's your advice? Yeah, so the way we look at entrepreneurship fundamentally, we use the Howard Stevenson from Howard Harvard definition, which is entrepreneurship is the pursuit of opportunity independent of resources controlled. And we really love that definition because it talks about starting first with opportunity. What value are you creating for whom? How can you capture some of that value that gets created back to your enterprise so that you have something that's growing in value itself? Once you've defined that opportunity, then what resources are required to capitalize on it? And then where and how do you get those resources? So my advice for any incoming MBA student to any program that's thinking about entrepreneurship is to think of the world that way. Start first with opportunity, then figure out what resources you need, because if you find the right opportunity, there will be a way to find those resources. And so one of the mistakes that we see people make is people who come in and say, I don't know what it is that I want to do, but tell me about the resources available so that I can kind of graze at the buffet. And that really, I think, sets people off in the wrong direction because then they're thinking about allocating resources before they know the for what. And so I would encourage anybody, start with the for what, start with the opportunity, and then let that be the driver of the resource decision. And, you know, usually there's a lot of opportunity out there if you're willing to be as open-minded as Kyle and Nicole have been and as been disciplined as they have been in, in, uh, in implementing their process. That's great advice.
0: Tom, thank you. And uh, Kyle and Nicole, good luck with your ventures. They sound really exciting. And my goodness, you guys have great courage to do your own thing and to probably walk from a six-figure starting salary, right?
2: Absolutely, John. Thank you.
0: (laughs) Yeah.
3: Thank you so much for your time, John. I really appreciate it.
0: No, it's, uh, and uh, we're all rooting for you and we hope this really works out well. And Tom, thank you for guiding these and the other students at Cornell on their entrepreneurial journeys. Truly an honor and a pleasure. All right, this is John Byrne with Poets & Quads. Thanks for joining our deep dive into entrepreneurship at Cornell University's Johnson Graduate School of Management. Keep listening for our other episodes in our deep dive at Cornell. Thanks for listening.